Golden West Radio now brings you the Lawn and Garden Journal. Get your questions ready. Our toll-free line is open at 1-800-374-3315. Now, here's your host, Carla Hersina from St. Mary's Nursery and Garden Center. Good morning, everyone. It is the Lawn and Garden Journal for August the 5th. How quickly I flipped the ca- uh, the calendar from July to August. This month has flown by, and as we see our gardens progress, there is a little bit of a shift in the season. We still have that heat, and I think most of us got a little bit of blast of weather with all these storms. Uh, the storm earlier in the uh, the week, it was like a blanket of darkness that came over us that early morning, and boy, did we get rain. But... I've been hearing from some people that they have not been getting as much rain, so their gardens may be slightly different. We'll talk about that after we hear about August, the beginning, and it is August. Now sober August comes, the scene beneath the summer sun still fair. The woods have changed their shade of green, new scents are floating in the air. The farmers rest, the harvest on or almost o'er. A while the labors rest, a steady strain, the season's crops are all in store. The barns were all filled with hay and grain. The summer months are nearly past, regretted much they glide away. And now we enter on the last, a blessed trinity they are. The lazy cattle in the shade of friendly trees of noonday lie or roused by swarming insects wade in streams that passes murmuring by. A parching drouth consumes the land, deep hests the dust in all the roads, how closely every cloud is scanned, the sultry heat a storm forebodes. The rumblings thunder, warning sound, faint in the distance, now we hear, with stifling air and thirsty ground, a welcome note, it strikes the ear. The storm comes on, the duff is done, refreshing floods of rain rescend. All night it pours another dawn, breaks slowly ere the showers end. The drouth is done, and with it all the glory of the summertime. The leaves will soon begin to change, the season now has passed its prime. The tall corn bending in the gale, the cooler night the shortening day. All nature's voices tell the tale. The summer soon will pass away. The fields of corn that ripen slow, of autumn speak, and breezes all, that over hills and fields of stubble blow, proclaim the coming of soon fall to show. Welcome back, everyone. It is the first weekend in August, and our gardens are changing. Are you seeing it? Yes, I have to say here at the Garden Center, because we started so early with the heat. So when I mention, have you seen a slight change in your garden? You may see it most evident in some of their trees and maybe some of our shrubs. Already we see a hint of some color changes and the change could be 
indicative of a couple things. Now, when you're looking at it, and one of the prime examples I'm going to use is we have a bunch of Engelman Ivy that we use on display in our parking lot for our little Engelman Ivy trees that are on there. And they're already turning, and they've been turning probably for the last two weeks, the slight red tones. And we know intrinsically that these, uh, we do get a lot of foliage in trees and shrubs that will transition into those red embers and oranges and even some of the deep red tones. But this is a little early. And A, some things that could cause, that is the environmental factors, because yes, we started so much earlier. If you remember way back in May, it seems like so long ago that we were in May, that we went from not those cooler temperatures. We went right into the heat of plus 30s, high 20s. So these plants have been giving us a lot of energy since then, right? So that slow, steady development could be there and even seed development on some trees. That's something to be discussed. Give me a shout. The lines are open. 1-800-374-3315. Walter's waiting on the line. Good morning, Walter. Good morning. Good morning. Where are you calling from this morning, Walter? Landmark, Manitoba. Well, hello to everyone out in Landmark. Well, I think everyone's doing well. Oh, that's good. And did you get that rain uh, earlier this week? Uh, we had a little, a, a little bit. We had just a little bit. Very, very little. Very little. You know what? It's kind of, um, like, it kind of rolled here. I think it was Tuesday morning, like, just before 8 in the morning. It just got so dark, and we got a ton of rain here. But it just makes a little bit of a difference that in some communities we're telling us that they hardly got anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, well, we hope you get a little bit of moisture for the gardens out there. Yep. Yeah. How can we help you on the Lawn Garden Journal? Well, you know, I've got um, onions this year, three-and-a-half-inch diameter already, and the uh, greens on top are about up to two feet tall, as though there's no end to it. And uh, I'm wondering, uh, when is the time to harvest these onions? Oh, you're you're one. Okay, so what type of onions are they? Uh, I think they were yellow Spanish. Oh, the yellow Spanish. Oh, those are good, good. Okay, and it depends because a lot of times when we look at when we're putting them in the ground, generally with onions, you get a development stage of probably from, if I remember right, 95 to 120 days that's on there. So the time frame, and they're starting to develop, and do you see the set of the bulb forming uh, slightly above the ground? Do I, do I see uh, with the whole, the, the entire onion is above the ground? Oh, the whole, and are they brown? Yeah, you know what? If they're getting developed, because I think that development of a lot of them will go through. The harvest time usually starts when the natural top kind of starts going brownish uh, on the tips and kind of naturally it will kind of flop over on itself and it says, okay, that's kind of a little hint that we should start harvesting them. Oh, yeah. So in other words... Uh uh, no matter how tall and straight and green they are, uh, just keep let them grow until that uh, until the top maybe falls over or something like that. Yes, and sometimes when the tops are going, sometimes um, I know that some of them are a little edible. That the greens that you can cut and use them a little bit that's on there. But I would leave that as an indicator as when to start harvesting. I like to see them start to turn slightly brown and everything because that sort of tells the alien plant that the bulb is matured. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. 
Okay, you're, and what do you, if you do a lot of onions, do you do a lot of, um, here it is, French onion soup. I just, I had just had the scent in my, in my brain here of French onion soup with all those onions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or pickled onions. There you go. Yeah, pickled onions are good. Pickled onions. And do you find that, um, do you store, I'm just inquisitive and it's good for other people to know. Is, do you find that it's a good storage onion that you can keep for a bit? Right here. Uh, yeah, I think so. Last year we had them, and uh, but but we harvested them later in fall, where you know you can store them better if it's a little bit cool. Yes. And yeah, um, yeah what I usually do, I do on a string. I hang them up on a string and and uh, in the garage and uh, you know where it doesn't freeze, and I let them there. And we had onions just till maybe maybe a month ago. Oh wow, that's excellent. That's really good. And that tells us, too, that we can grow a lot of our own food and store it. And homegrown is so much better than some of the store-bought stuff. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's good. You just gave me a little bit of a memory of um, garlic, too. Uh, my, my husband's grandma used to show me how to braid some of the garlic braids that are in there uh, and hang that to dry. Very, very interesting to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Oh, you're very welcome. And thank you for listening and calling in. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. Yeah, bye. Have a great weekend. Thanks. Same to you. You're welcome. This is, it is, it kind of gives you that sort of, and on a little bit of a hint, I can see we're, uh, we're storing our onions in a garage where it's nice and away from the coldness. Yes, that's something that we want to do. And just a little bit of a hint, in my novice years of braiding garlic that Baba used to show me how to do it, don't store it in an apartment because it will fill up the air. <laughs> You're listening to the Lawn and Garden Journal, and we've already ventured into conversation of onions and just a little bit of the tip of some garlic that's in there. And when we're thinking of it, I have to tell you that I had my first mountain man tomato and now they all seem to be ripening at the same time. So it's almost like ketchup. Uh, not the, okay. <laughs> it's ketchup with the tomatoes. A little pun on words there with the ketchup seasonings that we are. But it is the catch up portion of it because we find that the mountain man tomato stood up to its, uh, its sort of reviews that's on there. It was definitely not a full sandwich slice. But maybe on a small coup bread, rye bread, it was delicious, ripened to the best of it what it was, and well shared with hubby and I. So now, as I notice that the, with the heat of the summer that's coming in here, have you noticed that you're picking your tomatoes a little bit faster, using them, enjoying them? And soon I can see visions of a lot of canning coming up. And speaking of canning, it was a little bit of an adventure into doing some uh, pickle production uh, with my daughter the other night. And it was kind of fun to be able to do it. It's neat to be able to go back into the aspect of doing your homegrown and doing some of the pickles and cucumbers and memories of doing corn relish and, of course, beet pickles. You can see the jars lining up or the visions of the jars lining up. So... Have you started doing any canning yet? I don't know. All right. 
So when we're thinking about it also too, just remember to check and harvest your crops or maintain or do frequent visits to the garden to see how your crops are growing. I give a little bit of a giggle. I was waiting for the grandkids to come over and sort of look at some of the peas and some of my sugar peas have now started to develop a little bit more of the pea production that's on there. So I think tonight when they're there, we will be harvesting some of those. And also too, how sneaky, and I'm going to say sneaky, how sneaky those zucchinis can be because lo and behold, the little tiny ones that think that they're not even near ready, lo and behold, Tuesday's rain developed them into larger ones. And it's nice to say that I was gifted a nice golden zucchini, which I think is going to hit the barbecue tonight where it's on it or maybe tomorrow night. And remember too, a lot of the vegetables that we carry, there's a little hint of using some of your vegetables as sort of more on the savory side, but a lot of vegetables can be used at different portions to make something that is a little bit more on the sweeter side, like your pickles. All right, sweet pickles. Hey, there's a purpose. And also, too, even green tomatoes. If you get to a point where you have a lot of tomatoes, there was a recipe that my sister had uh, told me about that she made green uh, tomato jelly. And, of course, the zucchinis, mm, chocolate cake, and chocolate zucchini cake. So there is the diversity of doing different things. Okay, I have a little note here. We're going to do a little bit of a flip that's on here. And I want to talk about the weather and how it's been affecting some of the gardens. So if you have some questions on this, mark it down, 1-800-374-3315. I love it when you call in and ask about your um, uh, gardens. You can ask questions about your gardens or tell us about your gardens. Gardeners love hearing stories of other gardeners' gardens. If that makes sense. It's all about sharing, learning, and the excitement of getting your garden looking like what you want it to look like. All right. Now, the gardening aspect with weather. There's a few things that are happening that's out there. A, extended or early development of a lot of things that's happening. So we see that. We mentioned that the trees and shrubs are changing. Even some of the trees that we have in our nursery, they too are changing color. There's a little bit of a wisp of a color change in some of the hydrangeas. The maples for sure are giving a little bit of the hint. There's leaf drop and there's structural uh, seed development on some of our trees that we're seeing. Maybe Maybe we see a little more because of the rain that we had and those high winds that caused the release of some of those. Who knows? And the other thing that we may be uh, putting into the twist of things is not only the heat stress that we have, but in some areas it may be due to the lack of moisture in the ground or the lack of moisture that the plants are able to give resources to. Now, if you're thinking of your newly planted trees and shrubs, I'm going to give you a reminder that these are young plants Even trees that were planted two years ago, their root development isn't as great as our larger, more advanced trees, which have tapped their roots into the ground that can get the resources of the moisture that's there. The younger plants, one, two, three years old, yes, even the older ones, if you're getting your hose out and giving them a drink, give them a nice, slow, steady drink. 
newly planted ones planted this year. Think of areas that you're planting them. Did you get enough moisture on them? And how much water do we give it? That's sometimes a question that when we're planting a tree or a shrub or even large containers, how much do I give them? I always think of look at the size of the pot uh, that you planted in the ground. And remember, generally when you plant a tree or shrub in the ground, you're digging a hole twice as wide, slightly deeper, but twice as wide as that original root ball. You want to give as much moisture to moisten the depth of that root ball and the surrounding ground around it. Because as that root ball, that root ball is the first thing that's going to dry out before the ground, the uh, existing ground around it. It's going to want to grab and put more roots into that newer soil around it if there's moisture there. It's kind of giving it that tease. Come on this way. Push your roots this way. And that will help to anchor it. And you want to make sure because the true signs of a plant that is underwatered will be loss of flowers first wilting of leaves and then leaves going crisp that's on it and added with the tone of less moisture on there plus the aspect of the wind in the heat of the wind a lot of leaves respire and they lose a lot of that moisture from their leaves so we want to make sure that there's uh, enough moisture in the leaf structure for it to sustain itself so check your trees and your shrubs if they're newly planted if they were planted last year Give them a drink. Do not rely on the rain that's out there. Unless we're being flooded for like two weeks of too much rain, then there is a point of too much moisture too. All right? There's got to be that little bit of a mix that's on it. And don't forget that um, plantings up near and close to overhangs of trees, or overhangs of houses, sorry, or that could be an area where they do not get as much moisture if you think that it rained two days ago think of the wind directional that it gets there a lot of moisture does not get up close to the houses because of the eaves troughs or the warmth of the ground that's in there too as well imagine sitting up against a stucco house all day in the sun that ground is going to be very very hot and if it's like that for three four five days and we've only watered once that may not be enough because the foundation is even going to be drier than out in the more of the open area we appreciate a little bit of a drink give your trees and shrubs a drink and a shout out too to also to your container pots floor pots patio pots and oh my hanging baskets hanging baskets think of the size of the cell that you're on there and it dries out Yeah, I even have some that I water early in the morning and later in the evening to keep that consistent moisture in the pot so I don't stress my flowers. And sometimes too, it is a little bit of a shout to maybe do a little bit of deadheading. If you have not deadheaded or pinched back some of your hanging baskets, let's give them a little bit of a refreshing. Look for those spent blossoms of lantan or verbenas that produce those seed heads. Remove the seeding form of those flowers so that it encourages it to produce more leaf sets and again more leaf sets more blooms more flowers more smiles on us because we see our plants doing so much better that's on it it is the august long weekend so it is a good weekend to relax enjoy looking at the garden 
maybe doing a little bit of the light work, but I would probably say if it's very hot weekend, do it earlier in the morning or later in the evening. And a little bit of the purpose of that is if you're doing your watering earlier in the morning, there's better chances of the plants absorbing uh, more of the product into their, more of the sort of moisture into their cells rather than doing it late in the eve or late in the afternoon when the high evaporation's in there and you get high evaporation just from the wind. Also too, soak closer to the ground so that you avoid less splashing up, especially around your tomatoes. And you might want to see about maybe some garden straw just to hold that moisture a little bit longer. We're going to go right to lines. Bev is on the line. Good morning, Bev. Good morning. Good morning. And where are you calling from this morning, Bev? Swan Lake. Swan Lake. Well, hello, Swan Lake. What's the weather like up there today? Uh, it's kind of a little bit smoky looking or I don't know what, but it's nice. It's it's, it's not nice. too hot. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, it's, very definitely, it's been definitely the year for a little bit of hazy yeah. skies. So yeah. um, we wish everyone to be safe in those areas that are, that are having fires and that kind of stuff. It's a little scary, and but uh, let's hope the best for everyone. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What can we do for you today on the lawn garden journey? Okay, I'm switching from the garden, vegetable garden, to my flower garden. I, my lysianthus are just starting to, well, they are blooming really beautifully, but this is my question. They seem like the stems, like, you know, I want to cut some and bring them in the house, and I hate to cut them because there's so many uh, buds on them yet. And But should I do it anyways and, like, you know, cut the ones with the flowers on. Yeah, I know what you mean because with the lysianthus, um, if people have never, we should let everyone know it's oh, the secret of lysianthus yes, growing. <laughs> out of this world, I love them. They look yeah. like the most delicate rose form yes. of it. So if if you've never grown it before, Bev, you are just opening everyone's world into the lysianthus aspect because they look like beautiful, almost like a. I'd say they open like a rose, but almost like a, a double tulip type that it opens up on it. Oh, yeah. And I know what you mean, because usually when they develop, they usually develop like five, six, seven bud sets on one stemming. Yeah. So what I would probably suggest is, I'm not a florist, but I would wait until most of them are to the point where they're developed and one or two are opening, because if you put it into water... And they, the other ones could open up one after the other after the other in your bouquet. Okay. Right? The smallest ones probably won't develop, but no. the ones that are in between the full open stage, because they are a long-lasting bloom once they open. Yeah. So once they're done, you can uh, encourage the other ones to grow. And the way that you could do that is if you're doing it singly with lysianthus in one cut, like cut flower display, then frequently change your water. Okay. 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 Yeah. And just remember when you're doing or bouquet. And you know what? That's funny because I just wrote down this morning. Um, I know that the grandkids are coming, but I want. I thought let's cut some flowers for the table tonight. Oh and yeah. Put down saying cut flower bouquets, and the lysianthus is one of those long-lasting ones. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Did you get the short varieties or the taller varieties? Because well, sour- I don't know. I think they're fairly tall. They're at least. I, I'm guessing 18 inches. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So that because, would be the taller one then? Yeah, those will be the taller. Some of them will even go 24 and 36 inches. Okay. That's in the cut flower. Yeah. Because um, usually 
when we grow certain crops, we use uh, crops are either grown for the garden or for the cut flower industry. Yeah. So, um, but the shorter varieties are really cute too, as well for little. Okay. Um, you know, you could do little like cut flower bouquets, like little um, short glass. Yeah. Ones. Yeah, and I do have them, and I, I just have to have flowers in my house all the time. I just oh, love you it. just you just reminded me of my sister down south. She <laughs> always puts flowers and bouquets and everything around the house. It's so inviting. And oh yeah. Why don't we do that more often here? I don't know. It just it just cheers your heart, and I I love it. Yeah. No, I have to agree. Now. I'm going to ask you, do you pair something with the lysianthus, or do you do lysianthus by itself? Well, right now I've got a, a bouquet of lysianthus, and I've just got kind of a green, I don't even know what it's called. It's a ferny thing that gets little yellow buds on it in with it. You know, it's mostly green, though. Oh, very pretty. Yeah, yeah it very looks pretty. really nice, yeah. Well, thank you for stimulating this conversation because there's other flowers that we can use to put into those. Like I know that in spring, uh, I love doing peony, cutting and bringing peonies in. Yeah. Once in a while, I brought an ant or two in, but oh, that's yeah. okay. I always do. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, just share the love. Bring the flowers oh, sure. indoors. There's that's lots in there. of room. Yeah. Lots of room. Yeah. Lots of room. Yeah. But I hope you enjoy that. But try... Uh, developing the bud set a little bit longer, and then you'll enjoy that little secondary blossom. The ones in between that are really, really tiny, just yeah. think of them as that textural element in your design the, that you're creating. Yeah. Okay. I just wondered about that, and um, I love listening to your show every Saturday. Oh, well, thank you. Great. All right. Okay. Thank you. Take you. care. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. This does develop into different things. Uh, you know, there's the visions of it. And sure, we can go and buy a bouquet from the store or from your florist shop. That's perfect, too, because if you have a, a favorite florist, it's nice to say, hey, how are you? And see the mixed blends of floral arrangements that they have that they've created. But there is a vision of cut bouquets that are sitting right in your yard right now. You can do anything from taller vases, and we have them all, girls and guys. All those vases that we were given to us from either shower presents or some bouquets that were gifted to us. We have glassware sitting there. Let's use it. Let's pull it out. Everything from maybe a, okay, a, 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 a really cool bottle. Okay, that's in there. I just had a vision of ketchup bottles. But no, let's not go to the ketchup bottle. Let's go to other decorative bottles for a single stemming. Or get those beautiful vases that are sitting in the cupboard. Bring them out. Let's create a force of beautiful color. And this weekend would might be a beautiful time to do it because it's the August lawn weekend. You may be having some friends or company over. So give it a little bit of a oompa. And they're going to think, wow. This is beautiful. Think of it. And if you're looking for certain aspects of it, how do I design uh, bouquets? If there's out there, I know that there are vases that are called frogs. So you're going to go, okay, we're talking gardening, but is this a frog? There's frog pins that you can put in the bottom of a vase that will actually hold up the stemming. Or the new trend that's right now is a vase that has it, it almost looks like a cutout detailed lid shape that's to it. That is a frog, but it sits at the top of your 
vase so when you're putting your stemming in it doesn't all fall to one side so you can minimize the amount of flowers that you're putting in your vase because the frog detail and design pattern on top of your uh, structure actually holds it up are you thinking of the flowers that are in your garden right now that can be used right asters they're just starting to come into it but annual asters and perennial asters make a good blend your perennial asters depending on the variety may not be in bloom yet but definitely your annual asters are out there and they're gorgeous so look for asters is some other varieties your daisy varieties snapdragons lisianthus for sure because we have the testimony from Bev that she loves them in her garden. Celosia. And celosia is like a plume tape, uh, plume shape bloom that does very well in bouquets as well. It gives you that structural heaviness that's on there. Because sometimes you want your flowers to be light and airy. Sometimes you need that instant color. And celosia is one of those ones that has that deep, intense color palette from yellows, pinks, oranges, and deep red color tones. Now I'm going to throw one at you that is also one that you may want to look for if you're going to grow it next year for Lysianthus, or how about Alstromeria? Alstromeria you'll find in a lot of bouquets because it is known to be a very long-lasting bloom in a bouquet. So when you're changing your water and maybe flipping up some of the daisies that may not, not last as long in that bouquet, your Lysianthus and your Alstromeria are going to hold true. And adding different things from the garden, Bev is so true. Like I would go through and pick out ferns and just put a little bit of fern leaf in there. Or if you go into their, your um, area where you're going to go into perennials, why not drop some other leafy matters in there too as well for some structural uh, plants? Maybe a little snippet of a hydrangea, not a hydrangea leaf, a hosta. Long fronds of a hosta leaf will give you that dramatic effect that's on it. But just remember, change your water, keep it fresh because you will enjoy those plants so much better. Now we're talking about plants and that when we go from uh, changes of coloring, I just had also too, you know what? Maybe a snippet of an Engelmann's Ivy that's in different color tones that's going from reds to green. You can play those as factors into that as well. So take a look at it, see where there goes, and you'll be able to create your own itemized area. uh, Talking about the different aspects of watering. Now, we know that we've seen the color changes, and we've talked about planting uh, trees and shrubs and other elements and keeping the plants watered so we have it good sustainability or the plant gets developed really good and there is a little bit of a question that someone asked me just a while ago was can I still plant a tree yes you can still plant a tree gone are the days that you would plant a tree spring or fall because in the industry they were harvested to be planted right away Everything, almost everything is grown in in a container nowadays and it can be planted at any time of the season. It's when the care aspect of it continually stays the same because you're going to maintain and water spring, summer or fall. 
The planting regime stays the same. It's just the watering regime that has to be monitored to keep the success of that plant going. So I kind of joke. It's kind of like, hey, when was the best time to plant a tree? You may have seen this on some of the things. Was it 30 years ago? Was it 40 years ago? Or the best time to plant a tree? 100 years ago? When's the best time to plant a tree? Anytime. Think of the years of growth. Think of how you want to develop some of those trees. And when you look at the uh, shapes of trees around in your community, I kind of, even the other day, uh, it was just about dusk and driving home. The canopy of the trees that sort of line the street now. I remember years ago when we drove there, it looked more like houses than greenery. And now as we've matured, yes, we've matured into the area. The canopy of the trees around us has succeededly given the the community a shape. And that shape is based on tree structure. It's based on tree color. Diversity, which is key with tree planting nowadays, is getting the diversity of our trees around us in order to have succession of trees in our areas So if something does come in and eradicate some of our tree structures, we have a backup source that keeps them going. So to plant a tree or to plant a perennial, it's a good planting time. Maybe not in the heat of the day, but it's a good planting time. Now, visit your garden center. I'm going to get a little shout out. Give to the shout If you're around, if you're not out camping or at the cottage, you may want to venture to the garden center. There's lots of good sort of specials that are happening because the garden centers are shifting to the new seasons. They're going to be taking on a new life and a new direction with fall plantings coming up. Yes, just think, I'm thinking September with the tulips and the new gardening bulbs are going to be going in. There's a spurge to be back in the garden. I know here at the Garden Center, if you're in our neck of the woods, we are doing a little bit of a special uh, for our Facebook and Instagram and newsletter friends. So if you want to join us on Facebook or Instagram, there's a little special that's happening this weekend. You'll find it on that. It's giving you a little bit of a bonus of summer savings at St. Mary's Nursery. But visit your spot. See what's happening. See what colors are going. There's a lot of transition with plantings that we venture into. There's even uh, probably a few little specials on some of the annuals because I know there's some flowers that just didn't make it and we still love our gardens to look fresh. So we're still doing a little bit of a pocket planting or maybe you have that special event that's coming up and you want to put a brand new container just to give it that welcoming feeling to the garden. Now don't forget to uh, look at your tomatoes. A little last minute uh, review that's here before we close is tomatoes in your vegetables if you see any yellowing leaves check and see if there's any fungal problems because with this high heat and moisture sometimes we are getting a little bit of a fungal diseases uh, that's on it you can remove some of the lower leaves that are on it because if they're yellowing and diseased pick them off you don't want to defoliate the whole thing but you can remove a percentage of your leaves it'll help some of the fruiting to develop a little bit more and Also, too, a shout-out to keep up some fertilizing, whether you're giving it a little bit of organics that's in it. Maybe you want to use a little bit of sea kelp fertilizer to give it a little bit of a boost. If you do find that you're having problems with a little bit of uh, fungicide or mold that's on there, remember the garden sulfur, the Bordeaux copper spray, or even Safer's Defender soap, just to help you keep it at bay so your 
fruits and vegetables and everything are good to go. All right, guys, it's been a wonderful weekend. I think, I don't know if we take a last-minute shout-out uh, on our leave-out here, Parker, but let's do it. <laughs>